I got hit by a car in the modern world and then woke up in a graveyard. Electronic Wireless Show, episode 80 on today, this glorious day, the 2nd of May. Pinch punch, 2nd of the month. Uh, I'm Alice Bell, and I'm joined controversially this week, not by Brendan, uh, but by uh, our editor, in a rare occurrence, our editor, Second week running. Graham Two Smith. In a row. I know, what's going on? I enjoyed it so much. And uh, by lovely section editor, Nate as well. Hello, Nate. Hello, I'm also back. Is this but two weeks in a row for both of you? Yeah, yeah. we're the, yeah. it's like a tag team has run into the wrestling ring and clobbered Brendan, I guess. Yeah, what would your tag team name be, the pair of you? Oh, Battle Lads. Battle Lads. <laughs> Everything is lads with you. Yeah, <laughs> it's really into lad culture, you know. <laughs> Love it. This morning you've already talked about Crab Lads and then also, what was it? Yuletide lads? Christmas oh, lads? Yeah, but in fairness, that was a reference to a well-established Scandinavian Christmas tradition of the Yule lads. Uh, they are real, what, I think. What do they do? Um, go on. I can't bullshit now because I'm, I'm, I'm recording what it. What do all lads do, Alice? I think it's just laddish stuff. I think it's loutish behaviour. You said they Banter. smashed into things, hit cans and wielded sticks, I think. I said smash cans. You said but smash as cans. It, I, d- I didn't mean literally hit cans. I meant, <laughs> I meant drink beers quickly, Graham. Yeah, in my head I was picturing them just destroying cans. Cutting fences. So they just like, can't bear cans. Yeah. <laughs> like southern yokels. <laughs> on fences to practice their aim. But so, with sticks. So that's the Yule lads. Yeah. <laughs> Don't look it up. Don't, yeah, just take our word for it. Uh, and I'm really pleased that you swore first on this one, so that Brendan will not be cross at me. Oh, I did, didn't I? Yeah, yeah great. There you go. Uh, so this week we're talking about our favourite time sinks. So games that we've lost the most time to. Uh, who wants to go first? Who's got a, a good time sink? Because I have got one if... What, which, well, if you're going to say that, what's your favourite time sink? Well, it's the one at the moment that, um, uh, it's just a semi-recent one as well. It's, it's Graveyard Keeper, which I've talked, I've, now I've told you about before. Um, and it's sort of like Stardew Valley, but a graveyard. Oh yeah, it seems sort of cute, but really quite dark. Yeah, it's great. And it's like, so I'm, I got hit by a car in the modern world and then woke up. In a, in a graveyard in, you know, a sort of semi, like a semi-fantastical sort of like low, well it's not a fancy land because the only magical element in it is a talking skull who's my mate and In fairness, there weren't many talking skulls in, in real yeah. medieval times. Yeah, so that's true. It's definitely fantasy. Um, and, uh, and I'm just told that I'm now the graveyard keeper and my job is to make the graveyard nice because it's in a bit of a state. And then if I, I, the the bishop, the local bishop was like, tell you what, if you fix up this graveyard, I'll let you be like the church warden. So I did that. And then it was like, oh, I have to do a service every Sunday now as well, apparently. Mm-hmm. And that, but I also double as basically the mortician as well. So when the bodies get up, du- the bodies are brought to me by a donkey who can also talk, but I'm the only one that can understand him. And the donkey recently unionized into a union of one and went on strike it's good praxis. Yeah. yeah. He went on strike and he was like, no bodies on Sunday. So he gets a day off a week and he'll only bring bodies for an upfront payment of 10 carats per body. 
But Alice, there's a, there's a dark secret as well, isn't there? You eat the bodies. I do eat the bodies. <laughs> you see, you're not like usual clergy on that front, no. are you? Because this is the thing, I also, I have to perform the autopsies and stuff. It's not... You get so, Well, but that explains it then. I mean, how can you possibly <laughs> commit not... an autopsy and not have a little nibble? Well, it's not like I have to... It's not like I like... I'm like, oh, yes, this is the cause of death. But it's like I have to prepare the body for burial. Uh, but like early on when you first start in the game your only source of food is to carve chunks of meat from the dead bodies oh is that by design it wasn't yeah. just monstrosity then, by choice yeah yeah and then you because it takes a while for you to get enough money to get seeds to start growing food and stuff and actually I still am eating the bodies because you need the meat to make into sandwiches so that's <laughs> That's so the, really, I mean, that's very different to Stardew Valley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does it have the same sort of, I mean, talking time sinks, like, does it have the same depth to its replayability or its extensibility of play? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's grindy in the same way that Stardew Valley is, but I do feel that I'm always working towards something because I'm, I'm very self-sufficient now. I have, like, uh, a... A lathe to make like wooden things and then a stone mason bit and stuff. I build all the gravestones and that myself and also like more advanced things. I know how to make stained glass and stuff now as well. So I, I can do all that. I'm, I'm beautifying my church as well at the moment. That's the thing. Um, hmm. And yeah, so so it's like. Who's, it's, who's you, you said you have to deliver the sermons on Sunday. Who yeah. is your congregate, congregation? Well, in is theory, it, it's the, it the, the townspeople, but they all turn up in quite sinister robes. So Hang they're on. like anonymized robes. And then I'm really bad at doing sermons. Like, so I can only do really simple ones. But in the game, it means I just go, our oh, church is great. And then all these people go, good, good sermon. And then they give me faith, which I then use to as a resource to do other things. What, do, what, is, what is faith to get you? Uh, it means I can... Faith is, like, the the kind of currency for science, so I use it to, like, study things. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's... Uh, I wonder what Copernicus would have to say about well, that. Yeah. So, But it does mean that, because I'm so self-sufficient now, it means I never go into town anymore. I don't need to go into town to barter with the townsfolk. So I just hang around my graveyard, like, e- eating bits of dead people, <laughs> like, muttering, and then, like, occasionally doing sermons. It does sound relaxing. It's good. It's really good. It's very yeah. I've got surprisingly really into it, uh, and so it's it when I don't have anything else to play, I'll, I'll, I'll whack that one um, because it's less intense than Stardew Valley because there isn't like well I don't have to water my crops; they just grow, and there aren't seasons. There's just days of the week, and so different NPCs will turn up on different days of the week. It, it, so like Sunday is the day the bishop turns up and then I can sell him bread <laughs> stuff like that does anyone else in the world eat corpses other than you can you sell them so sandwiches I, I can I can sell them meat but I can sell them to the innkeeper but the innkeeper I tried to sell him a hunk of meat and the innkeeper was like no I need I need a stamp saying it's like grade A beef or whatever so I need to either buy a stamp so I can f- pretend <laughs> pretend that it's beef there's one thing I hate more than a cannibal it's a fraud so. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like uh, I think buy one I can buy a legitimate one or I can get like a fake one from the local shady guy whose name is Snake is he so, a snake? no because he was though yeah, yeah. Uh, it's good I always found Stardew Valley for all its reputation as being an addictive time sink I um, I had quite a bad injury and was on quite a lot of painkillers, which was wicked. Mm. Um, and I spent a full fortnight entirely within that game, but then never touched it again. It just got to the point where I knew pretty much what I'd be doing until the end of the game, and I'd had to go on all of the game system. And I don't know, maybe there's just something in my sort of dopamine release mechanism that doesn't function like it should, because I just thought, yeah, don't need to see anymore. Oh. And I feel like I've missed out. I think that's a common thing with these kinds of games, though, where they're always walking a fine line between being distracting versus being utterly meaningless, aren't they? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, once you see through the systems of the Matrix, it's easy to be like, oh, God, what am I doing with my life? And, like, walk away at that point. And when we originally talked about this as a topic, it was, I think the question we put on Twitter, we phrased it as, 
what are the games you've spent the most time in? But the, one of the original ideas was, what is the game you regret spending the most time in? There is something yeah. baked into the genre, which is, well, this is a waste of time, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think for me that would be... It feels harsh to say this, but Civ Five, um, I've put oh, possibly thousands of hours into Civ Five over the years. Um, and really, what I like is the first 20 turns. Like, I really like finding a good site for a city, getting those initial sort of resources improved and setting up your first trade route and stuff like that. That's nectar. And then I find myself then sticking another sort of six hours in to get into a late game that's essentially just a dull numerical chug. Uh, it's already clear you're going to win if, you know, if you're playing against the AI, which I usually do. Um, it's usually extremely early that you're going to run away with the game. And so it's just clicking turn after turn, you know, morosely and, and, and sort of grudgingly building markets and temples and things in all of these new cities just so you can get to the end of the game. And then you realise, wait, no one shared this experience with me. I was just completing the chore of finishing the last 5,000 years of history. <laughs> That's bleak. It's really bleak. That's why God doesn't do miracles anymore. He just got bored. <laughs> That's, That's why all the cool stuff happened in the Old Testament, right? Yeah, it was all fresh. Yeah. What? What? Because, Graham, you don't have a lot of spare time because you have a toddler and for some reason are making a game as well. Yeah, that was stupid so, of me. So, um, like, what... Presumably any game that you choose to play in your spare time... I have... I have. Is, <laughs> is, must, a, is a waste of time? No, no, I mean, like, it must be one that you really like. Well, no, I tend to play new things most of the time, and I've got a couple of games I'll talk about, but I'll save the other one for when we're talking about what we're playing recently. But the game I've come back to again and again throughout my life is Football Manager or Championship Manager originally and they're games where it's sort of they're similar to 4X games in a way in that you, you're making a plan they're strategy games you're enacting a plan you're sometimes working over a, a long timeline of you know kind of where you want to be three years out five years out that sort of stuff but what they don't have that like a 4x game does is they don't move into a mid game and a late game and where you sort of lose interest and the shape of it changes because it's seasonal football is seasonal yeah. you have the off season and then you have the build up to Christmas and then you've put, you have a January transfer window and then you have the build up to summer and and so it's just constantly sort of renewing itself and I've I've written about this before, but I am a I'm a safe scummer when I play Football Manager because I'm there basically to tell myself stories, and yeah. there's a specific story I want to tell, and it <laughs> normally involves taking taking a rough team of some kind and filling them up with brilliant youth players and building the team up through years and years of success. And so sometimes, <laughs> if that success doesn't come, then I'll just go, well, quit out, relaunch it, play that game again, till I get the result I want, because I don't want to be sacked, because that's not part of my story. That's not the story I'm telling. So it's like when you play uh, like Crusader Kings and make Ireland rule the entire Western Hemisphere. Yeah. Exactly um, like that. You're really <laughs> selling Championship Manager to me. Hey, if you like stuff like Crusader Kings, you could get into Football Manager for sure. Because it's also about the personalities and the people and your team falling out with each other. And well, your can they get syphilis and marry their sisters? <laughs> well, unfortunately, it doesn't simulate that much of the real football that goes on. Um, it does have Brexit, doesn't it, Football Manager now? It does now have yeah. Brexit, yeah. So when you roll around to... Well, I think it, I think they put it in in 2019 originally. That was obviously very ambitious of, of them because they didn't know it was going to be delayed repeatedly. But yeah, it does... And, and it rolls a dice, basically, when Brexit happens in the game to decide what that means, like what version of Brexit happens Whoa. and how that impacts your ability to import foreign players and that sort of stuff. Um which is really interesting. But the stuff I like the most in it is 
it's the off-season, basically. It's the transfer market, because that's where you're going to go out. You're going to try and find these diamonds in the rough, these young players that are cheap, but they're going to be great if you can get them early before anyone else does and train them up. Um, and you get to, like, it as well, because time is always advancing, much like in real life, eventually everyone retires, all the real players retire, and they fall out of the database, and so it regenerates new players with hideous procedural faces <laughs> oh, wow. um, and pretend names and stats and backgrounds and stuff like that that you can then find and you, you buy them and so there's this kind of constant refresh and renewal and then eventually those players get old and so now you're, looking, you're constantly looking for youth and I've you know I've been playing champion I've played championship manager the, for the first time when I was like 10 years old so I've been playing it for probably over 20 years now and I drop out of it for a couple of years at a time but keeps popping up at different phases of my life and when I am into it I will just lose all my spare time to it basically I can just spend six hours a day playing it can you start somewhere in the history of football no sadly not you can't change start dates and they've talked about this because you can play through into like 2074 where like yeah gruff bumshins is the Pele of his day wow and you can you can also just you can start a game but not take a management job yourself so it's the thing you were talking about with Imperator where you can just watch the watch the AI fight itself basically wow. and so you just not take a management job and run the simulation until you get to 2050 or 20, you know 2100 or whatever um, but it does take a long time to do that there's no like no way to just press a button and have it purr. It simulates every individual match that's happening in all the leagues that you've chosen to simulate, which is so it, it takes a lot of processing time to do that. Do you like football? See, I do like football, and I'm into football at the moment, But and I was into football when I was a kid, when I first started playing Championship Manager, but then I lost interest in football, but did not lose interest in Football Manager. Or, and when I got back into f- football about five years ago, it was because of FIFA. It was basically I got into playing FIFA, and started learning the names of players, and that was my gateway back into watching football matches again and that sort of stuff. It seems like being into football seems like a lot of effort. Like, there's never really any downtime, and you can't just know, like, one league. You have to know all the ones underneath it, and, like... I see, I feel like, you don't really need to know all the leagues underneath it. You maybe need to know that they exist and and what the, what they're called, but... You just need to know that what I found, like, my dad spent years trying to get me into football and it never quite, never quite stuck. Um, But then when I had my first office job, the finance director was a really keen West Ham fan and he found my complete ignorance of football really entertaining. (laughs) So he started taking me to West Ham games and what he'd do... West um, Ham fans are known for being quite tasty as well, aren't they? Oh, it was, um, I went to some savage pubs. Um... (laughs) But he, w- he would tell me the narratives. He's like, okay, what you got to know is mm. this guy's been hopeless and there was this terrible incident when. And once I knew the narratives and the backstories, it's kind of like Overwatch is fun because of all these colourful characters in it. And I didn't realise the Premier League was the same. It's pretty, yeah, it's a soap opera. And I think basically all sport is. Like, you watch, like, NFL or basketball, it's the same thing. Everyone is, oh, our team's the underdog. Our team hasn't won the... Like, the, the best example, basically, is Leicester City winning the Premier League three years ago, whatever mm. it was, where they were a 5,000-to-1 shot. With, they've never won the Premier League before. They were in, like fighting against relegation most years and that's what they were expected to do this time they would probably survive but they would be in the lower half of the table and so for them to then go on and win was this incredible thing but that's like a that's a fantastic storyline basically that's the the great cultural defense of professional wrestling as well Mm -hmm. it abstracts that element of sports so it's just the narrative and it becomes a soap opera about a wrestling show um it's the quote i always really like about it and yeah they just get rid of the actual like nuts and bolts athletic competition I mean, I, it never took off but you remember when Vince McMahon launched his American football XFL? equivalent yeah I think that was it it was like American football but with fictional storylines <laughs> and stuff like that it only lasted like two years or something like that because no one was watching it <laughs> The but concept that is, is solid. That's but... a great idea. And I guess like, the Harlem Globetrotters have been around for a long time and constantly beating the what was it, the generals or whatever it is that they, they play against. 
Have you seen Sunderland Till I Die, Nate? No. You should. It's on Netflix. It's like this eight-part documentary series about Sunderland Football Club who were in the Premier League one year and then they got relegated. And so then they were in... What's the... Championship. They were in the Championship and they had to fight. They were trying to get back into the Premier League. So they were fighting to not get relegated again and to get back into the Premier League. And so it is just that, like, it's a documentary of, like, that season. Um, But it also gives... Successfully gave football a plot because there's, like, villains... And there's like good guy, and they interview like fans who have season tickets, and then like the the caterers who work in the football club and stuff. I love and it. And like some of them have extremely strong accents, so they have they put like subtitles on some of them. Oh, the old Geordie subtitles, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. It's really good. Sounds great. Yeah, it is. Uh, I've been watching it actually, and I'm like six episodes in, and they do a particularly good jo- good job, I think, in the first couple of episodes in tying the fortunes of the football club to the fortunes of the city mm. of Sunderland, you know, this old shipbuilding town, basically, where most of the industry's gone now, and why people, why like, what the club symbolises, basically, to its most ardent supporters, which is what you get with, basically, any football club that exists in the UK. It symbolises something to the people that go to the matches every weekend, beyond just the whether they win or lose and the, what the millionaires on the pitch do. Um, I've, I also just finished watching All or Nothing, which is the Manchester City documentary on Amazon Prime, which is like Sunderland Till I Die, but where Sunderland is the kind of gritty country, um, gritty, gritty um, kitchen sink drama version. All or Nothing is, the, I mean, they're Manchester City are mega rich, yeah. owned by a chic. Like and, the Marvel. <laughs> yeah, and so it's just, and, and they won the Premier League the season that, the show is well there's is no stakes then <laughs> it's sort of no stakes but then it's just sort of fascinating watching people who are incredibly good at what they do try and maintain that quality and that mindset over a year-long period like it does a really good job of showing you how difficult it is and how any small mistake or small lapse in concentration or focus or self-belief like there's like the I don't know how interesting this is. This yeah, I was going to say, I, I am really enjoying being on a sports podcast today, <laughs> and I never thought I'd say that. It's There are so many cliches around football and sport in general where someone loses and then the pundits say things like, oh, they just didn't believe enough. They didn't believe in themselves enough. And it sounds like such a cop-out. And I think in a lot of instances it is. Like, there are... There are, if you know about the game, and pundits often don't know (laughs) that much about the game, um, there are tactical reasons and specific reasons why you can point to and say, this team lost because they did this with their defence and that didn't work against their opponent, which was doing this with their attack. But what this documentary does a good job of is showing how self-belief does play a part when you've got nine months of football, you're playing 60 to 70 games, you're incredibly good, but there are three or four teams who are also incredibly good as well as you. Well, there's a good chat to be had here about magical thinking uh, in in sports as well. (laughs) (laughs) We've done about 15 minutes of games chat and then like... Let's just wade into the abyss. Let's talk about magic with a K in football. (laughs) (laughs) Can you tie it into blood ball? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, does anyone have any other time sync games they want to talk about? Or should we segue into what I've been playing recently, which is a time sync game and the inspiration? Are you going to say football? <laughs> <laughs> let's do that. Let's move on to what we've been playing this week. Forager. Um, so Forager came out a couple of weeks ago and it is an, it's, it's an idle game where you are very active. It's sort of how they describe it on the Steam page. Is this the one that looks a bit like the map segment from Mario 3? Yeah, it sort of looks like Zelda is the way to think of it. I think. Right. Sort of like the original 2D Zeldas, where it's very colourful. You're set on a little island, green grass, trees, some vegetables around, and you have a pickaxe. You're a little... little I don't know what you are. You're a little dude. And you go around, you hit things with the pickaxe, and you collect whatever pops out. You hit, you hit, you hit, a, hit a bush and some, you get some vegetables out of it, you hit the tree, you get some wood. And things regrow over time. 
and so it's a little bit of Stardew Valley. And How big's your environment? Are you limited to the starting island? Well, it starts off, you're on this very small island, which is like, about fills your screen, basically. Yeah. That's it. That's all you've got. Um, but then what you do is you you hack at these things, you gather the materials, you can then craft those materials into some um, building that you put down. Um, usually like you start with a forge or, a, or some sort of uh, an anvil or something like that. And then you can use that to make other stuff with the items you can get from the island. And then once you've got, you've used your forge to make these objects, maybe you've made some glass, maybe you've turned your, turned your, your stone and your wood into a wall or a bank vault or something like that, then you level up and now you can get skill and that unlocks more things that you can build with the forge and eventually what you end up doing is you sell some of your items for money mm. and then you can use that money to buy new lands and so basically you expand your island. And um, more resources become available today? Yes, and so sometimes it's just, well that's a relatively similar bit of land so I've got more trees and that sort of stuff so when I've fully emptied out the island I'm on and I need to wait for that stuff to regrow I can go to the other island and get that stuff. Sometimes it's a different biome so it's like a desert place and so that would be different types of things and a lot of the time the islands you get have uh, like a particular focus on them so like there is a fountain on one of the islands I bought which was seemed nice as a fountain but when nighttime came a fairy appeared and the fairy said hey if you give me a thousand coins I'll give you a reward in return um, and now you've got that goal to work towards and then you get another island which has got like uh, like a dungeon on it and you go down into the dungeon and suddenly it's like a Zelda dungeon and there's Zelda puzzles and you can do that stuff and it feels like there's like, almost a don't starve element to this as well well with don't starve there's like a survival thing isn't there so like you're you are trying not to starve and you, you do need to eat and forager but it's never really challenging to do so like you your pockets are constantly filled with just fruit and vegetables and so you can just that was really bugs me why have a survival mechanic if it's it's just a you know if it's not challenging if it's just a thing you need to remember mm. I don't know actually I don't have a good answer to that question because I haven't played enough of the game yet to know how it balances that stuff and I do think the game has problems with with its its arc of progress through the game, basically, because so it's doing a bunch of different things, and it's you can compare it to different genres. So like it's very similar to Stardew Valley in that you are crafting this stuff in order to improve your lands and eventually trying to make them self sufficient so that it's growing the stuff that you want it to grow. But then eventually also so that it's just doing stuff automatically so you don't even have to play if you've built enough buildings that they're just accruing stuff when you're not around. So it's got that kind of like factorial thing as well. Oh, that's tasty. But with those games, what works about them is like they feel like they hold you in their hand really carefully so that you constantly are just getting enough new goals so that you feel like your pointless mining is not pointless you're working towards something but not too many goals because that's overwhelming and then you start to fall out basically that thing we were talking about where i've got too much on and it's not enough reward because it's those goals are too far away there's um, a real balance isn't there there needs to be just a couple of intermediate steps that you can hold in your head to yeah. give you the illusion of a and they, Never have, they, have to, yeah, and they have to feel like they're achievable. Like it's not, you're not going to have to hit those trees for too long before you get the next thing because that's the draw to do it. Oh, just spend another 15 minutes and then I'll get the, the nice dopamine of the next reward. And I don't think this game does that stuff perfectly. But because it's doing this stuff where it's like, it's kind of a clicker game, an idle game, because you can just leave it and you accrue these masses of resources and it's kind of a zelda puzzle thing because of these dungeons and it's kind of a factorial thing because you can automate stuff. It feels like you're almost changing the genre of the game through your actions as you play it. Like it starts off as that sort of zelda e Stardew Valley-y stuff, but then you're turning it into an idle game essentially mm. by automating things. And it's not like the automating stuff isn't the sole focus of it, like Factorio, where it's just all about building machinery from the very beginning. And so it feels like more like there's an arc there. Um, but I, I also think we struggle to talk about these games articulately, as I'm doing at the moment. I'm struggling, I mean. <laughs> um, because it's sort of like, you're sort of like trying to review an economy. And like, I don't know if have you guys ever played many idol games, like Clicker Heroes and that sort of stuff? Yeah, a little bit. 
um, we, like we, cookie cooker. Mm. Oh classic yeah, classic. Yeah, with the grannies and the potatoes one. Yeah, it was yeah, a browser-based yeah. space potatoes one. Oh yeah, oh, yeah that came that had out. Had a surprisingly on, good story. Yeah, that came out on PC and uh, iOS and stuff as well. That was good. Yeah. We have to remember the name of it for the show notes. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll look it up. But it was basically <laughs> like you you were uh, on a space mission, and then you you wake up and are orbiting a planet, and you're like, "What's going on?" It turns out it's planet Earth, but like like millions of years in the future. Just spoiled uh, Avengers Endgame, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, all like your power and stuff is all like based potato based, so it's like solar energy, but like plugged into potatoes and stuff. And then you fire like potato probes down to the earth and things like that to gradually like build up your power and figure out what's going on and try and. And it's it's got the best written AI assistants um, in many things I've come across. Actually, yeah. it's really a lovely bit of writing. It is good. Have you played it, Graham? I have not played you it. Play it. it sounds great. It's yeah, it's a good, it's good couple of hours. Um, well, speaking of AI assistant, I'll tell you what we've been playing recently: mm. uh, Space Engineers. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> um, this uh, you should, if you are uh, able to, you should go to the site and check out the new Wastes of Space series. Uh, it's me and Alice and uh, Matt Cox. Um, yeah. and we're hopefully co- other Alice as well. Yeah, uh, Alice, Alice, video about Alice. Alice Aguari is going to join in as well. Uh, and it's being—it's a game that's being run by my friend Sam, um, where we are colonists of an unknown planet in space, um, and we're trying to. Well, we've—it's sort of got this RPG set up mm. where it's like, okay, you'll join the server and you're going to colonize this planet. We're yeah. like, okay, we got there, started dying horribly because none of us have ever played Space Engineers. Which is a game about doing engineering in space. It's very unforgiving. Well, it's very like once you know what the systems are, you can kind of figure it out and predict. But like when you when you first start, it's just like it gives you nothing. Um, kind of, it does have like. Well, to be fair, we did purposely ignore all the tutorial windows, <laughs> but but like it's very like it throws you at the wall. Yeah, 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 yeah. In a kind of Minecraft way, where you're just dropped into a space, and yeah. literally space, I guess. And, yeah, and you have a drill, uh, a, grinder. a grinder, and um, a welder, and that that's what you have. So it's very... Uh, the grinder disassembles existing things. Okay. The drill batters rocks, and the welder builds things, basically. Uh, it's like imagine Minecraft with millions of like weird technology mods added to it and no instructions, <laughs> and that's essentially. But yeah, anyway, we thought we were just just mucking around in it, but then Sam, who is sort of GMing us as this weird helper robot with a modulated robot voice, it's really uh, funny. He's great. Um, has informed us now that our mission on this planet is to launch one thousand tons of gold into orbit. Okay. Or there will be consequences because we signed a contract with the uh, Royal um, Planetary, Planetary Services. Services. Uh, RPS. Oh, yes, you see. <laughs> um, so yeah, we don't know how to mine gold no. or how to do things in orbit. So yeah, we're going to do really well. It's going to be good. We yeah. managed. We yeah, we managed to die a lot. He Sam was trying to get. He was like, no, it's really. If you can use your jetpack, you can move around really easily. You can do it really quickly. And we all tried doing that, and then launched ourselves into cliffs. And mounted so hard that we died instantly. And then, like, Endless self-eating. Yeah. And Nate got stuck in like a crevice and had to drill his way out and then got eaten by wolves. Then, like... <laughs> oh yeah, because there was accidentally a wolves mod installed. Yeah. So not like, you know... Accidentally. Yeah. Yeah, we're suspicious of what wolves may come <laughs> in the future. Love that movie. <laughs> Where Robin Williams just like... <laughs> Bare fights knuckle fights wolves. wolves. Yeah, it's kind of like a really like surrealist take on the grey with uh, Liam Neeson. <laughs> what wolves make up? Ah. Um, so that's good. That was fun. Um, so we're gonna keep playing that. I've been playing Close to the Sun, which the review embargo is up today, and hopefully by the time the podcast is out, I will have the review on the site. Um, and it is... So I really enjoyed all the preview stuff I played of it. It exists in a theoretical sweet spot for me. Because I like horror games. And I like kind of 
exploration, like detailed explore this space games. So it's kind of a mix of the two. Um, and first, first person. Yeah. So Bioshock, but with Tesla. Yeah, the, this is really funny because they keep saying like it's not Bioshock. Please don't think it's Bioshock. And they are right in that it's like you don't get a weapon. You have to run away. If anything, it's not like an action game. You're not as you know powerful. Um, and like you know, it's not their fault that most people who who have played it, like like I was trying to explain to Matt Cox. I was like, you know what Art Deco is, and he went no. <laughs> so like so most people's exposure who are going to play this game to Art Deco is from playing Bioshock so they're going to think Bioshock when they look at it is it and is it also set on a city at the well, bottom that's of the, the thing. sea so like, no. it, so, like on that, one that level that feels like the larger comparison rather than just the, the decorations of that city yeah it is, so like it is, on one level yeah they're right it's not Bioshock and I can understand why they don't want to invite the comparison but on the other hand some of like quite a few of the story beats it does feel like close to the sun was sat next to Bioshock in class and kind of cribbing some answers yeah. like cause what, what is the setting? so basically it's set in an alternate universe where Nikola Tesla won the science race against Edison and he built his tower and then Warden Cliff started supplying electricity to like half the world and, and then became this huge mega corporation and then Tesla with all the money and the scientific and the man machines and the advancement he did, has built like a huge state-sized city ship that is oh. just sailing around in international waters, and he's just invited all the, um, like, the best, the greatest minds of the age to come live with him on the ship, and it I has like another big boat story. Yeah, yeah, it has like its own railway and botanical gardens and like a big theatre and stuff where they put on opera, and Tesla's just cutting about in this ship making mad science advancements and stuff. It has its own passports and stuff. And then they have a security team that are doing, like, counter-Edison spying espionage and stuff. Um, Sounds amazing. Yeah, and so you play Rose, who is a um, a plucky young journalist. And you, like, she arrives on the ship, which is called the Helios, which, like, the the name of the game is a metaphor. (laughs) And... um, you be, you 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 arrived there because your sister Ada was one of the great scientists who was invited to live on Tesla's ship, uh, and she sends you this weird letter, and you're like, "Oh, what's up?" And so you turn up on the Helios, and all is not well. It turns out, you no, know, hey. stuff's gone wrong. Um, and this is what yeah. So like, it's like yeah, independent sort of semi-libertarian city colony at sea. Uh, <sighs> Is that the so? dream of one rich, rich man? Uh, they've done science has gone too far, <laughs> and there's also a time element to it, where like what basically the experiment they did had something to do with time, and so now time is sort of leaking. And my big kryptonite is I can't bear time travel stories. <laughs> <laughs> they just they never satisfy me. It's Nate's always out. rubbish if you think about it. Um. So it yeah it does. It does feel like, very similar to Bioshock. It, it was a thing when Bioshock came out, particularly Bioshock 2 and Bioshock Infinite, where people said, oh, I really love these stories, really love these worlds, I wish I could explore them more, it's just a shame that they have to have guns in them. Mm. And that feels like that was probably the impetus for the Gone Home team who mm. made the Medieval Stand DLC for Bioshock 2 to go, well, we'll go make something like Gone Home. There seems to be an appetite for that. I like that these guys just saw that and were like, <laughs> no, mate, we're just going to make another... City well, so the, and... they, they say that their influences are more like yeah gone home and, and oh, so it's um, not full of gunishment no there's no guns there's no oh. there's no shooty bangs nice like there are um, run or die sections which are probably the most annoying bits in the game because like you like you can you can jump over things and crawl between gaps and stuff and the game early on it's sort of you're taught like okay a click to interact with things and a click to do this multi thing Um, and then you try and do that in the run or die sections and it doesn't work and it's because if they're if they're it's like if they're white you click to do it and if it's like yellow you hit space bar to jump or so like it's so that's kind of annoying yeah Um, uh, but like it really like it's it is quite yeah it's quite Bioshocky but it's not to say that it doesn't do its take on that well and actually I kind of enjoyed it a bit more than the first Bioshock because no one's shouting and and around talking points at me <laughs> at any point which is good and it, it looks really lovely um it's really visually 
splendid and they made all the assets themselves and stuff it's all like all their stuff from like the bottom up get on to um, that right after championship manager then. yeah yeah um so it, yeah it it, it 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 yeah it's i think it's good um it does some things really well it's really really excels in like the first half of the game at like creating tension it like it paces out like the scares well and like the environment's really cool and you're rewarded for exploring with like more clues and context about the story um second half of the game it as like the danger is revealed more as you like i guess see the monster as it were quote unquote that gets less scary and it's less tense and it's more sort of running about rather than like creeping about but um yeah it's it, it, there's a lot to like about it I think but also it feels like the ending is just setting up for like a sequel or DLC it feels a little bit mm. they just sort of stopped which is a bit disappointing. Uh, such is the curse of serialised narrative yeah well yeah. Uh, well so is there anything else we've been playing that you want to talk about Nate are you yeah I've been uh, roasting my way through Rise of Industry um which uh, has the most chilling opening voiceover um, I've ever come across. Uh, it's, yeah, the, the final line of it is, um, it really burned into my head, actually. Uh, For you are an industrialist and success is in your blood. Yeah. <laughs> which is the most chillingly right-wing sentiment I've ever come across <laughs> in an otherwise uh, picturesque little uh, logistics simulator. Um, and it is a picturesque little logistics simulator. I, it's got an absolutely gorgeous UI, um, lovely little game world. It's very simple uh, in a way. There are towns on a map. You build industrial facilities on their outskirts to supply goods that they want, and then you make money from selling said goods. You send your trucks in. So you you know you find out the town needs you uh, near you needs wheat. So you set up a wheatery. Wheatery. Um, that's a weird word. Uh, and then you send in your, you know, uh, uh, you you get the wheatery to send its wheat to a warehouse, and the warehouse gets a fleet of trucks which sends it into the town to sell it. And basically, you you create more and more complex chains of goods and stuff. Uh, it's let down a little bit by the fact it's not you know for a game that's absolutely about logistics, it's not always one hundred percent clear what you're doing with said logistics. And there's some rather ambiguous phrasing about, well, am I taking this from this warehouse or to this warehouse? Uh, so there's some little irritating things like that, but by and large, actually, I think this could be quite a time sink. Um, you know, it's very sandboxy, very replayable. Um, sort of thing you could switch off and spend a few hours just planning rail networks in. Did you ever play Transport Taking back in the day? Uh, I played Open TTD, mm. um, which this is very, very similarly flavoured, actually. Um, yeah, and but the UI is a lot better than that, which I I always found that a bit a bit of a tough egg to swallow. Yeah, it's still, it's still quite old fashioned, even after the open source and deluxe and all that. But I love Open TTD for the scale of the things that you can build in it, like the number of towns, and like that's what makes it a time sink for me is that there's always tinkering and expansion to be done. Does this have that same sense of expansion? Because when I, when I've seen it in screenshots, Rise of Industry seems quite like a little bit more zoomed in than Open TTD would be. So like, how big are the maps? Like, or juice sizes or. I've been playing on a medium map because the large maps absolutely wolf down RAM. Um, I think you need like 16 gigs to even start thinking about a large map because once it gets uh, complex, you've got all of the, uh, these other towns are building competitor in- industries. Um, so it's pretty big. I, not open TTD scale on a medium, but I think the large one might be quite vastus. Um that's, yeah. that's kind of, one of what I want to hear from a game like this is that oh, the biggest map you can create f***s up your computer <laughs> yeah. so that you have to wait four years before you can play Great, on swearing ones. loads Damn it, I do this every time Three swears this episode yeah. it's, Certainly the maps are big enough um, that you can create Zeppelin trade routes um, you know, which you don't do to 
sell beans to the shop <laughs> down the road, do you? So yeah. Uh, it's good 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 fun. I'll be interested to see um it's just about to come out of early access. Uh I'll be interested to see what they do in terms of DLC, maybe. It certainly feels like an extraordinarily good framework if they can iron out uh it's really just on the level of sort of tool tips and, and, and text in boxes to make things more clear. I don't think they really need to do too much more um reconfiguring of, of, of any major systems. Are you advancing through the ages at all? Do you start off with... Uh, no, no, it's actually... It's got a really good unlock system. So you start off able to make virtually nothing. You can make, like, water. And, <laughs> like, Don't make water. Well, no, you put this thing that doesn't even exist in reality called a water siphon down, and then, like, things on the edge of lakes where trucks guzzle the water and bring it to your water siphon. And then you can maybe make wheat. Um, really enjoying that pronunciation today. Wheat. Wheat. Um, and you unlock things. You research them. And the fatter your town gets, the bigger your research budget, basically. So low research cost things like vegetables uh, or hens, um, you know, don't take very long in game time. But if you want to make, like, you know, bins out of steel... Um, that's got a much bigger research time. Mm. So you want to wait until you've got a fatter town and a bigger research budget to allow for these heftier... Uh, which I think is a great approach to tech tree, actually. So you there's a, a continuous, steady increase in the number of things you can produce. Uh, there's no arbitrary unlocks of new sort of complexity in your production chains. Yeah. Good. I um I've gotten as far as making like furniture factories. I made some wow. glass tubes. <laughs> glass um, tubes. Yeah, it was good. I had to import coal. I felt very accomplished. Oh, glass tubes are very important. They're precursor to televisions and yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I was I've got my eyes on making a telly factory next. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Rise of industry. Okay. Uh, right. Let's. Have a look and see what other people were saying were their time sync games. Um, oh yeah, we've got billions of responses now, yeah. isn't it? Alright, so every week before we record the podcast, we go we take to social media and we put on Facebook and Twitter at uh, Rock Paper Shot and say what we're talking about and ask you what are the games that you remember for today's topic, and which is Time Sinks today. And we've had a lot of responses, a mm. lot of people saying uh, Factorio, a lot of people saying Stardew Valley, as predicted, and a lot of people saying Civ, all manners of Civ, Civ 5, original Civ's, uh, Civ's, Civ's. But yeah, still a lot of people who just absolutely roast Civ 1, still. <laughs> <laughs> And why not? There's a lot of people saying things that I never think of as being time sinks. Like, someone says, Arc Twink says, Super Mario Odyssey. They have 280 hours in it. God, and they have 100%ed it, it, it five times. Now, it's like, Odyssey's a great game and mm. it's a very big game. And this person obviously enjoys playing it a lot. But do you think of those, is that is that what qualifies something as a time sink? Or is there something about the... It's a different thing. To, we're talking about sort of compulsive gameplay loops, mm. whereas this is a different thing, isn't it? Which is completionism. And other than 2005, with GTA, sorry, Flibble Gibble Pants San Andreas, I don't think I've even ever attempted 100% completion on anything. Mm. Yeah, and they've done it five times. Five times. So presumably there's some sort of compulsion loop involved. Yeah, but a giant, robust one, like a steel hoop. This is uh, Fritz Effenberger on Twitter. says, Borderlands 2, closing in on 1,300 hours on Steam. What? Which is a lot of hours in Borderlands 2. It's a good game, but... That's... How many days is that? Well, 24... Hundred was, hours was would be a hundred days. One thousand three hundred. I can do maths. Fifty-four days. Fifty-four days. Fifty-four point one six 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 six
<laughs> you could lead all life on earth to safety from the wrath of God in the time it took that person to play Borderlands 2. That's amazing. Two people in a row, Juho and the Musk Stick Appreciator on Twitter, said Daisy. Daisy, the game that's like flying, 99% boredom, 1% terror. That's apt. That's apt. And a bunch of people saying Kerbal Space Program as well. On Facebook, Alvaro Thalassanos says Mountain Blade Warband. I played with the same character in a slow conquest of Caradia for years. I took this game to Greece, Spain, and Poland until I finished it months ago. I've never felt so empty in my life, but alas, Caradia was finally unified. Me and my mate Owen had a good night playing Mountain Blade Warband. We made a character called Ion Man, who thought he was an Ion and role played that. Yeah. <laughs> How do you role play as an Ion? So no, we're pretty baked. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, had loads and loads of yeah civilization shoutouts. Grand Admiral Prawn, who I approve of, uh, has uh, got six hundred ninety-two hours on record on Civ Five. I'm not quite the professional that I am, but uh, I can respect it. <laughs> Lots of people saying MMOs, which I didn't mm. really think about, top, but are an obvious contender. People mm. saying World of Warcraft or RuneScape. Lots of people saying RuneScape, actually. Yeah, WoW would be a big... I, I was into WoW for a while. Um, me and my husband would had set up computers next to each other and would play it. Um, and it is, like, obviously very specifically designed to keep you playing it, even though you're achieving nothing. <laughs> um, How far through did you, did you get to endgame and all that, all that stuff? Um, I, no, I can't remember. I did... I was trying to, I, I played because I played it a few times. I played it when Mr. Pandara came out, and but like I played it before that as well, Cataclysm and stuff. So I don't think I I don't think I got to like the final like in, like instance on either of them, if I remember rightly. But Just never interested in fetch quests. Yeah, we did. I mean, it's good for role playing. We role played. We didn't role play exactly. We were playing it and then met up with my friends who've been playing it for years, and they all had secondary characters. They were RPing as something ridiculous. So like one of them was RPing as a pacifist, so he was just a healer, and he wouldn't do any fetch quests that involved killing anything. Oh. So none of the kill ten bears for pelts, things, whatever. He was having to level up to level... I think it was level, it was level ten to start doing the instances by picking, like, herbalism, like, collecting loads of flowers, and then also uh, borrowing someone else's mount to fly around and discover locations and get XP for that. That's really interesting. Uh, and then uh, my other mate Jeff was role playing as Thrall, who's like a really important character in Warcraft. <laughs> yeah. And he built like a macro that randomly shouted Thrall like lines from the games that Thrall says. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> See, uh, well, you know my feelings on WoW. We can't get into those now. <laughs> uh, any more for any more that we want to? That we want to. Football uh, manager getting a shout out in the same tweet as Factorio from Tony D. Imagine a combo between those games, just churning out legions of like, <laughs> steel-faced Ronaldos <laughs> to colonise a, a barren planet. Uh, yeah, just a lot of people saying Civ. Adam Bowman on Facebook says the Civ games are life-eaters. Slay the Spire? Who's the one oh. on our team who really likes that? Everyone, uh, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like was really into it. it. Matt was really into it. I was really into it. I, I've not played it either. It is great. You should both play it. I know. I was supposed to play it as well because you were like, everyone play the games that are on the list for the best games of the year at Christmas. That's why it didn't win. That's why it was second place. Oh, I might chug some of that down, actually. <laughs> love a bit of CCG. Love a bit of Dungeon Crawl. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's let's bring this this part, this football podcast to a close. Um, I'm trying to bring in a new tradition where we each recommend something that isn't games related that we've been enjoying recently. Trying to get some high culture into our lavish no. podcast about football and video games. No, like well, both of those are high culture, surely. <laughs> so, uh, screw you. I don't know. Uh, Nate, do you have anything that is? Yeah, not yeah. A video game. Shoot myself hard in the foot here. Uh, <laughs> I've been playing in a live action role play. Um, it's called... My goodness, David Bowie, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, sort of crossed eerily with Matt Berry, I'm sorry about that. Um, yeah, I've been, I am an NPC crew member for the Empire system, which is, I think, the UK's 
biggest LARP at the moment. There's about sort of two and a half thousand players involved four times a year. They basically make a big tent city and pretend to be medievals. Uh, and I, uh, as a member of the crew, um, live in a tent a little way away from that and I get given jobs usually as the representative of some chilling eternal power or foreign <laughs> nation I get to put on some weird prosthetics or dress up as a sort of stag man or something and then I go into the tent city to uh, beleaguer and befuddle the players and make them do things it's very fun I get to roar uh, uh, I get to um well, raw mostly. It's mostly really good. Raw. <laughs> yeah, I dress up in cool, cool outfits and drink out of a horn. Love it. Do you, okay. like within the context of this? Do the players ever do? What's the most surprising thing a player has done when confronted by you? Basically, have you ever just been? I've been murdered. murdered or... Yeah, the, there was one where um, I was. So the game has Eternals, who are kind of like gods, but not quite, and they have heralds who are capable of going into the mortal realm to sort of negotiate on their behalf. One of the player factions for a time uh, had a group of extremists who refused, they brought no contact with Eternals and would kill heralds on sight. Uh, in complete contravention of law, they all ended up being executed for heresy. Um, <laughs> but I went to talk to them and they just ganked me to smithereens <laughs> in the corner of a pub. <laughs> Which is great, yeah. Uh, Graham, what do you have to recommend? My life isn't as interesting as Nate's, obviously. I mainly just sit at home and watch television, so I'll pick one. I'll talk about the OA, mm. which is a... Oh, wow. Uh, it's a series on Netflix where the first episode involves a woman who's been missing for about a decade reappearing, and when she went missing, she was blind, but when she comes back, she's not. And... What's nice about it is that you're not quite sure for that first series what genre you're watching, and so it sort of twists and pivots as it goes along in some surprising ways. Um, but over the course of the first episode, she starts to tell her backstory as a child, and she gathers together misfits from around the neighbourhood, um, mostly high schoolers, uh, in a, an attic to start telling them the story of why she was in captivity. Um, and it feels a bit, a bit, a bit eighties movie sometimes, and a bit sci-fi sometimes, and a bit horror sometimes, and a bit just like straight real drama. And the performances are great. And the second series just came out on Netflix, and I think it was just as good as the first series. Mm. And it's 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 one of those rare shows which takes advantage of the fact that it's on streaming, and so episodes can be any length they need to be. And so it will do an episode which is an hour and a quarter long. But then the next episode will be 30 minutes. And it will just, as depending on what story they're telling in that episode. It's great to see people starting to do that now. It's still like the only show I think I've encountered that actually mm. does that. And it gives it, it gives it a great pacing to it as well. Um, but I strongly recommend it, even though I don't want to say too much about it. There's a lot I'm not <laughs> mentioning because it feels like I would spoil the fun of it. Mm. Yeah, it sounds pretty... Pr- yeah, it feels... Like a lot of the things you mentioned, I don't know what to make of it. I want to see it. <laughs> Alice, Thanks. what non-gaming yeah. thing have you been... Um, I'm going to recommend... Uh, well, there's an author called Madeline Miller, and she's written two uh, books so far, and they're both really good. Um, they are sort of like alternate myth takes um, for Greek myths. So she, her first book is called uh, The Song of Achilles, which is... Uh, so you know Achilles has like a best mate called Patroclus and they're more than a mate yeah well that's the yeah so like there's there's opinion is divided because it's not like explicitly mentioned in the epic that that they're clearly shagging but like some some historians are like well yeah because it's so obvious that you don't need to explicitly (laughs) mention it and then obviously some stuffy people are like, no, it, oh my goodness, my monocle has fallen out. But um, Song of Achilles is basically a Patroclus slash fiction from the point of view of Patroclus, and it's very sweet and sad. And, and really that sounds great. well good. Um, and then Cersei is her other book, and that is about the life of Cersei the witch, who um, is exiled to an island and turns men into pigs. But it's like from her point of view, 
So, and, you know, spoilers, she's quite a sympathetic character, really. <laughs> no uh, and they're both really, really good. Um, I recommend them. Yeah. Uh, okay, thank you very much for joining us uh, on this episode 80 of the Electronic Wireless Podcast, Rock, Paper, Shotguns, uh, gaming podcast slash football, uh, and the best podcast out there. Uh, so, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Uh, for all your computer gaming needs, go to www.rockpapershotgun.com. You can also check out our VidBuds excellent content hashtag content on youtube.com forward slash rock paper shotgun uh, and, and is it rock paper shot no it's like slash user slash rock paper shot is it <laughs> yeah I think so I don't think you can just go to slash slash then the username oh. but even if you can it's not rock paper shotgun it's rock paper shot because oh, it turns out our website name is too long for the usernames on any of these websites like youtube and twitter oh not... that's rubbish yeah oh well there you go I've been saying it wrong for weeks <laughs> Sorry. Find us. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Just Bl- blame the founders again. for choosing a dumb name for yeah. their website. <laughs> yeah. They're not here to defend themselves anymore. So. And on that note, <laughs> let's everyone say goodbye to the lovely listeners. Bye, everyone. Bye. Are they citizens? <laughs>